0: Good morning. The morning scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us.
1: Thank you very much. Okay, well, you know, traditionally this time of year, a lot of churches do uh, Christmas pageants. Anybody ever see like a kid's Christmas? Anybody ever see a kid's Christmas pageant? We're not doing one, sorry, but we've done many of them, you know, in the past. Let me tell you the problem. Let me tell you the problem real quick with doing the kid's uh, Christmas pageant. It's when, it, when you start casting the roles, you know what I mean? The casting of the role is very difficult. Now, uh, if you have kids, you probably immediately understand what I'm talking about. Now, I want you, every single one of you to put yourself in that position that if you did have kids, what would it, like, what it be like for your kid? Now, if your child came to you, say you had a little girl, and you knew it was the big casting day, and she came up and, you know, you say, hey, what, did, <laughs> what part did you get? I'm, pl- I'm the Virgin Mary, right? You're like, yes, yes, that's a great part for you to play. You're very happy, okay? Or... Little boys. I'm playing the part of Joseph. Yes. This is a great role for you or an angel. So either Mary or Joseph or an angel, you're an angel. You are an angel. The whole world knows you're an angel. That's the way we look at our kids. Any parents understand what I'm talking about? This is a stretch for some of us. Okay. But (laughs) not everybody can be Mary, Joseph or an angel, Right. There's all kinds of other roles to be played. and We see a lot of uh, people in bathrobes this time of year playing the role of shepherd or something, but it keeps going down the cast list until eventually you get to the farm animals. Pandela, can you, can you help me out with that? Thank you very much. So, you know, somebody, somebody has to play the role of the donkey. And I just, here's the problem. Here is the problem for the person doing the casting. When their child comes to that parent, and you say, what role did you get? They chose me to be the donkey, right? This is a bad moment for a parent because there are acceptable and unacceptable roles. This is why we no longer do Christmas pageants. You know what I'm saying? Huh? <laughs> very, very difficult. Right, the donkey wants to know why is wrong being a donkey. Right, so uh, that was my, active, my attempt at ventriloquism, and that portion of the service is over. But <laughs> here's the deal: there are roles in the pageant that are acceptable and unacceptable. Right, there are things like, oh yeah, that's cool, and others like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good with that. All right, let's say goodbye to the donkey. Okay, bye bye donkey. I want to talk about. Um, the song that we sang this morning that is so well known, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And as a lead into this song, I want to think about the different roles that maybe God is calling us to this Christmas season. Because as Robin just read a moment ago, that uh, Joseph didn't want the role that he got, did he? He was trying to get out of that role. He's like, no, I don't think I want this role. And if you read in the story in the Luke version of it, you'll read that Mary also wasn't too excited about her role. And the angel is saying to her, hey, whoa, 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 don't be afraid. So what you see in the Christmas story is there's people who weren't crazy about the roles they were having to play. And what I want to suggest to you this morning, uh, there's some roles uh, being played around you that you might not be happy about. and. Maybe God is calling, I can probably say God is definitely calling each one of us maybe to play a role or a part in the Christmas story that we're not thrilled with. And that's the deeper meaning of Christmas. What I'd like to do over the next four weeks is talk about the deeper meaning of Christmas. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge that I've faced for the past number of years. We come to Christmas and we come to Easter and we're talking about a baby born in a manger and we're talking about Jesus dying on a cross and resurrected. Okay. Anybody ever heard that story before? Has anybody here ever heard those stories before a little bit? What new thing would you like me to say about that? (laughs) But what you realize is, is that there is a very deep meaning to Christmas and I want us to push into that this year. Okay. And I want to start by looking at this famous Christmas carol that we sung just a few moments ago. Hark the herald angels sing. And I want to remind you about why it was written and the purpose of it being written. Let's look at the words. Hark the herald angels sing. You can hear this at Tyson's Corner Mall all this Christmas season. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Do you realize everybody that people are more, oh, people are more apt to come to church during the Christmas season, than Easter now in this country. Used to be Easter was a big deal. You invite people to church, oh, yeah, I'll go. Not now. Christmas, this is it. Almost two thirds of your neighbors believe in this country, almost two thirds of your neighbors believe that Christmas season should mean a trip to church. Could it be all these hymns being sung as they walk through the malls? Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Here it comes. Ready for this part? Here's Christmas. Like this hymn is the entire theology of Christmas. Ready for the next part? Veiled in flesh the Godhead seen. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Do you believe that God Almighty came and entered our world as a human being? Some people say, well, that's not necessary to believe. I want to challenge that thought this morning and maybe suggest it's vitally important. Vitally important. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. All. That word all is right. It's really important because Charles Wesley wrote this during a time in the 1700s when you you had a privileged few people who were inside of the church and a bunch of people outside of the church who felt like they were not deserving of God's love, mercy, and grace. And the people inside felt like, hey, we deserve it. And those people outside, they don't deserve it. And this is a reaction during that time to what's going on. I said, no, no, this is for all people. And you know what his brother John did? His brother John, I, I took a trip. To England a number of years ago. This was so cool. I was at the spot at the church. This church is over 200 years old. And they said, here is the spot. One day, John Wesley got so upset with the people who are inside the church who had no compassion for the people outside the church that they looked down on because they say they don't deserve it. And John Wesley said, this is it. I'm done. I'm entering their world. And he stepped outside the walls of that church. And they showed me this. This is the stump that he stood on and he preached. This is where John Wesley entered the world. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. People inside the church, most of them hated it. A bunch of people outside the church, they were uncomfortable with it. God can't. i mean, Wesley can't enter. You can't do that. It's strange. And people threw bricks at him and tomatoes and all kinds of stuff. But this is the stump where he entered the world. Now, you can go to Israel today. And you go to this place called the Church of Nativity in Bethlehem, and they will show you a spot. It's a big cathedral. It's built over a rock. And they can say, that is where God Almighty entered the world. You can look at the spot. John Wesley, this is where he entered the world. And a spiritual revival broke out in England and affected the entire country. As well. And over here is a spot where God Almighty entered the world. Are you cool with that? Where God Almighty entered the world, this is where it all began. This is what really shook things up. That's the deeper story of Christmas. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. The problem over here with Wesley's day is it's like we felt good about ourselves, but we felt really good about ourselves because we feel like we're more privileged. Like there's a reason those people over there, God's not blessing them, right? I don't have any compassion for them and what Christmas means, if God has come in the flesh, it means we have to have compassion for all people, even the donkeys in your life. Are you comfortable with that? Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Here's the thing. Uh, We want to struggle with this incarnation for the next four weeks. And what I'm going to challenge you with is, is, that many of us don't believe in the incarnation. Okay, and you might say, oh, I get it. You know, that's a story two thousand years ago. Of course, they believed in the incarnation. They very easily believed in miracles, and we don't believe in miracles today. We're more sophisticated. We're more enlightened than that. We don't believe in that. But I need to know this: is they had a bigger problem with the incarnation than you did. They were very strong on their religious beliefs, and they believed that God could never become a human being. Are you kidding me? God and humanity do not mix the fire of heaven to fall. So if you think you have a problem with in the incarnation, I want to introduce you to people 2,000 years ago who had a much bigger problem than you did. So how do we deal with this today? And what I want to challenge you with, what I want to ask you to do is for the next four, four weeks, I want you just to believe in it. And the, here's the reason why. Because I want you to think about what are the ramifications of that belief? Like if God did take on human form, what would it mean? How would the Christmas story impact my life on a far deeper level than if Jesus was just an inspiring teacher who came, who was sent from God and gave us a lot of cool things to think about and inspired us to be better people? I want you to go deeper. I want to go deeper. This is something God's been challenging me with as I prepared for this Christmas season. God wants to go way down deep. That's why we're calling this series Deeper Christmas. And today is about having a deeper compassion and how God wants to go way down deep into our hearts, okay? The problem is deeper than we can solve. That's the story of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, that we needed outside help. God wasn't saying, okay... I'm going to send you somebody who's going to encourage you to be a better person, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do a better job and look deep within inside of yourself and go, go, go. Change the world, he said. No, you can't do it. Look deep inside yourself. And what you see is something that is far too shallow and problematic, that the problem is not inside of ourselves. The problem, the, pro- the answer to the problem is outside of ourselves. We need God to come down. Adam and Eve, after their problem in the beginning of this whole story, right at the beginning of the Bible, right, here they are and they mess up and they're like, oh man, we're going to do better. We're going to do better. Next thing they know, their sons, Cain killing Abel. We have to look outside of ourselves for an answer because everything else is just a surface, shallow problem. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Do you believe that God became a human being, the deeper meaning of Christmas? J.I. Packer, who is a theologian, says this. I find it to be so true. Let me read the quote and tell you why I'm saying this. It is from misbelief or at least inadequate belief about the incarnation. What does the word incarnation mean? In incarnation, flesh, incarnate, flesh, in human form, inadequate belief about the incarnation that difficulties at other points of the gospel, the story of Jesus, gospel, other points of the story of Jesus usually spring. In other words, he's saying, if you don't understand the incarnation, that all the other stories of the Bible just don't seem to make sense. But once the incarnation is grasped as a reality, these other difficulties begin to dissolve. So i got a couple of points for you today. And the first one is this. God is reaching out to us. Christmas, the deeper meaning of Christmas is that God is reaching out to you and God is reaching out to me. And what people have said all my life, I've heard this, is the Bible is the story of man's search for God. And that, why that is so strange and so ironic is because right from the get-go of the beginning of the Bible, it's all about God searching for us. Polar opposite. How do we get there? Third chapter, Adam and Eve make a mistake. They go into hiding. Hiding from who? Hiding from God. And who's searching for them? They're not searching for God. They're running from God. And what? what is God doing? Adam, Eve, where are you? I'm searching for you. And then all the way through the, you know, 25th anniversary. Chris and I, for our 25th anniversary, really wanted to go to Italy. Really wanted to go to Italy. But we realized we couldn't afford to go to Italy. So we had some wonderful friends who very kindly stepped up and helped us Uh, to be able to go to Italy. And uh, I'd like to figure out a better word for cheap to call myself, but for lack of a better word at the moment, I'm a little bit cheap. And so I didn't want to hire the tour guide at all the places. So what we did is we downloaded before we left on our phones, right? The Rick Steve thing. You ever done a thing with Rick Steve? So we went to the Forum. We went to the Coliseum. We did all that cool stuff, and we listened to it. But when we went to the Vatican, I splurged. I splurged on the Vatican because I wanted to go with a very small group of people, with somebody who was very talented, could tell me the whole story, and one of the places we visited was the Sistine Chapel, and you know what is on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? Let's show them, Hope. You see this? That's on the ceiling, Michelangelo's painting, right? Right? On the Sistine Chapel, there on, on on the ceiling, and what do you see? You see God here, and what is God doing? Like his whole body is turned and twisted, and he's reaching out as much as he can towards Adam, and there's Adam who's just kind of lounging, getting ready to have another nacho chip, right? And he's. Uh, I don't know if I want to reach back or I'm not sure. Show them the next picture, okay? Let's come in close. So, like, God is extending 99.9% of the way to get to Adam. And Adam's like, "Mm, maybe, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure. God, hang in there. God's searching for us. He's searching for us. He's reaching. You're here today and you're thinking, you know, I'm here in search of God. God. And actually what the scripture would say is the reason you're here is because God is searching for you. That's the first thing that we need to think about in this whole story. God said that he would be with us over and over and over again. It's the most frequent promise in all the Bible. He said he would be with Adam and Eve. He said he would be with Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Joseph and Mary and Joseph and on and on and on and on it on goes, right? On down the list. The, the famous 23rd Psalm. Many of us know it because it's often quoted at funerals. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I feel no evil because you are what? Anybody know? You are with me. You are with me. John Ortberg says this about that quote. The central promise of the Bible is not I will forgive you. The most frequent promise is I will be with you. And so Robin just read it a few moments ago. His name will be called what? Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. Now, God is with us. He's broken through. He's come down from outer space. We couldn't look inside ourselves for help. We had to look outside of ourselves, which is really humbling to us. There's the first thing. Here's the next thing that's really humbling is God just reaching out to us. God's reaching out to all of us. All of us. Even those people that we don't feel compassion for in our lives. And there's the deeper meaning of Christmas. If God is reaching out to all of us, and I accept the story of Christmas, and I allow Jesus Christ to go deep down in my heart, then all of a sudden I'm going to be challenged with having a deeper and deeper and deeper compassion as I follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to have a deeper compassion for people that I don't want to feel compassionate about, even the donkeys that are in my life, people that are playing the roles that I don't want them to play. You know what I'm saying? He is reaching out to all of us, even the people at the bottom of our list. Think about Jesus Christ. He goes as low as he possibly can go. He is born in a cave, laid in a feeding trough. He's wrapped in rags to a single mom with questionable morals. And many of us hear that and we get a little uppity. Yeah, how could they be so judgmental? What's wrong with them? Here's the thing you need to know. That was a problem on their list. That was their list. That was a problem. The deal is this. You have a list too. Maybe those things don't bother you, but something does bother you, doesn't it? There is some role that somebody else is playing in your life that is an unacceptable role. And when you allow the story of Christmas to go deep down in your heart, all of a sudden you realize, oh, my goodness, we're all on equal footing and I need to have compassion for all people. And I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. That scares me a little bit. Deep compassion. Do you feel it? That's what the deeper meaning of Christmas is, that God is actually reaching out to all of us, not just us inside of the church, Charles Wesley, but those outside the church, light and life for all. Are you comfortable with that role? That's a role that God is calling all of us to play in his great Christmas pageant, having deep compassion for all people. That's very, very, very challenging. There's a donkey somewhere on your list this morning, isn't there? Don't nod your head. There's a donkey on all of our lists, and it's very difficult. Tim Keller says this, all cultures encourage their members to look down on some people in order to congratulate themselves for their own superiority. It may be people from another race or class. Maybe you look down on those snobs with so much education. Or maybe it's those ignorant ones with no education. Maybe you despise the people whose political views you think are ruining the country. In all of these examples, you've been taught to see some people as unclean, beyond the pale, unholy, while you are okay. Jesus Christ's values are radically Different. We are all in equal need of God to come down out of heaven and to rescue us, to enter our world, because we can't look inside of ourselves to solve the problem that we have or the world has. We have to look outside of ourselves, and that is a role that's difficult for us to accept. Now, how should Jesus Christ have been born rather than being placed in that feeding trough to that single mom and wrapped in rags? This is a a better picture. Let's look at Hercules here. Now, that's the way to be born right here. Here you got chubby little Hercules, right, laying in his cradle and two poisonous snakes coming after him. And what does he do? (laughs) He's strangling them to death. Power and strength. Now, that's the kind of child that you want. You know what I'm saying? Nothing will overcome. He has too much strength to do that. And yet we see Christ on the exact opposite end of that. We're told in Philippians, he empties himself. And it is through his weakness that we become strong. And if we're followers of him, it's through our weakness that we understand what it means to follow him. Are you okay with that role? Are you okay with playing that role? Because it is through weakness. It is not through strength. I want to show you a video clip. Anybody seen the little animated movie Zootopia? Zootopia. All right. One person in this room has seen it. So this will be great for some of you. A couple other hands up there. Uh, so I, I want, this is very inspiring. It's very inspiring. Okay, so I want you to listen closely to what it said. Go ahead, let's roll the clip. Is that awesome or what, huh? Oh, it's inspiring. Change starts with you. It starts with me. Try. Try. Look deep within yourself and be the best version of you. Now, listen, I want you to do that. I don't want you to mistake what I'm getting ready to say. I want you to do that, right? Because I've got to live with you all, Okay. <laughs> we got to live in community. i got to drive on the same roads with you guys. So I want you to try. I would have liked some people in this room to try harder today. We have some people wearing Dallas Cowboys jerseys today. <laughs> I want you to try harder to be a Christian. You would never do that. <laughs> you never do that. you never do that. So I want you to try hard. I don't want this to be. I want you to try hard. It's wonderful. But what I'm saying is, hark the herald angels sing, and the deeper meaning of Christmas is look inside of yourself. You're not going to find the answer. It says we need outside help. We've been looking inside of ourselves for a long time to solve the problems we have. It's not getting us anywhere. You've got to look outside of yourself, and that's very humbling. There's that's that's a powerlessness that comes. There's a weakness that comes with that. And that doesn't jive too well with our sinful nature. God and sinners reconciled. That's a difficult pill to swallow. It's a difficult pill for me because stuff like that, that inspires me. I want to be a better person. I want to pick myself. I want to do it. So when those people told us we couldn't pack the 150,000 meals, my immediate reaction is, I will show you, right? Look deep inside of yourself. And what does the Christmas story say? Look outside of yourself. You need outside help. You can't do this. That's the deeper meaning. Are you okay with that? And if you need help, so does everybody else. And are you okay with that? Even the people you feel no compassion for. Will you allow the deeper meaning of Christmas to sink so far down deep into your heart that you then have compassion for the people who are the donkeys in your life? Will you do that? Will you allow Christmas to go that far deep in you? Now I've been preparing for nine months. God put it in my heart nine months ago that we should do a series on racial reconciliation. And um, so for nine months, I've been praying, and I've been reading, and I've been researching all about this issue of racial reconciliation. And it seems apparent to me that for so many years on this planet, looking for the answer deep down inside of ourselves isn't working. And it seems to me that the answer is outside of ourselves. It's in God coming down because when you see the church begin, Jesus Christ at work in this world, he pulls people together. And it is true, everybody, and you'll hear me say this a million times, that the church of Jesus Christ is the most diverse institution on the face of the planet. Why is that? Because that's the deeper meaning of Christmas. And I'm not going to preach that message right now, but I do want to read... A very important two verses for you out of Ephesians. Look at what it says. This is our theme verse for racial reconciliation. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Well, how did you do that, Jesus? How did you do that? How did you do that? By setting aside in his flesh. Well, there's incarnation right there. So it actually takes... God in flesh and blood, according to the scripture theologically, to destroy the barrier between two hostile groups. That's why the virgin birth, that's why the incarnation is so incredibly necessary. That is the deeper meaning of it all. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. So I told you, I've been looking for nine months, reading, watching videos, watching panel discussions, and I've just got pen and paper. I'm there like, give me, the, I need something. This is going to be a challenge. I need something. So what's the thing? And I kept hearing one thing over and over again, like, like the number one thing over and over again. I'm like, no, 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 that's too simple. That can't, be the, that can't be true. That can't be the answer. Come on, go to the next book. Go to the next Video lecture. Go to next, next, next expert, next expert, looking for the thing. But they all kept saying one common thing. Anybody ever heard of Brian Stevenson? Equal Justice Initiative? Anybody ever heard of him? Uh, one of the most famous TED Talks ever. Brian spoke at a uh, TED Talk in 2012, and when I read the book, Talk Like TED, it's all about all the most moving, successful TED Talks ever. Brian's talk was the first one that was given. As an example of a powerful TED talk, Brian Stevenson has. On record, the longest-standing TED Talk ovation ever in the history of giving TED Talks. They stood up and applauded him like crazy after his 18-minute TED Talk, and he didn't use a PowerPoint. He didn't use anything on a screen. He just stood there and talked to people, and people were mesmerized, and he talked about equal justice for all people, and people were so into You know how into they were? Those thousands of people in attendance, the moment he was done, gave him a million dollars to his nonprofit. Now that is a good talk. So I've been reading about uh, Brian. Actually, we have extended an invitation to Brian Stevenson, and we are in communication with him now about him coming in January or February to speak to us. It's going to be, you all pray that this happens, because this is something that we are praying hard about that will will take place. Uh, He is a leading voice on this issue. So I'm listening to his talk uh, recently, uh, not the TED Talk, another talk that he has done just just very recently. And he's, how do we do this? How do we bridge the gap with racial reconciliation? And he starts his point number one of the leading expert of how you do this. It's the same thing that all the other experts were saying over and over. And I'm thinking this isn't the answer. It's got to be something else. It's got to be something else. Point number one. You know what he says? Point number one to racial reconciliation is proximity. You've got to be willing to enter somebody else's world you got to get to know them you got to be well what if i don't i don't know what to do he says it doesn't matter doesn't matter you got to be you got to be present with them now are you tracking with me are you understanding what i'm talking about here now the foundational principle in the expert's mind and so many experts mind is proximity of entering somebody else's world who laid that foundation for us it sounds like the incarnation to me. So you're telling me God who creates the world says, okay, here's the way to bridge the gap and bring racial reckoning. And here's what all the experts are saying, and yet God doesn't do that for us? You mean to tell me that God doesn't enter our world? He just enters a, a good teacher to us, but it's not God Almighty? It wouldn't make sense. you understand? Here's the importance of believing that God enters the world through incarnation. It's because now we have a shot at true Reconciliation amongst all people, even hostile people because he sets it up for us. Do you see the amazingness of when you talk to your friends? about Well, I don't believe. and I don't believe that God entered the world. We say, well, well, what hope do we have then? Where is our hope? Because all the experts agree that the number one thing is to bridge the gap in proximity. You've got to enter somebody else's world and that's exactly what God Almighty does for us. He enters our world and there is our hope. There's our hope. Our hope is that God enters our world, and when he does, he enters the world for all people. Those people high on your list and those people low on the list because Jesus Christ becomes the least of ease for all of us, and if you really believe in the deeper meaning of Christmas, then you will begin to feel deeper compassion way, way, way down deep in your heart. Let's end with this. I want to show you a picture. The name is on it, so I can't ask you to guess who it is. Anybody familiar with Ruby Bridges? Anyway, okay. I want, to, I want to highly suggest Disney did a movie um, almost 20 years ago. And you should watch it. It is very, very good. They do a good job of actually setting the story up and telling a lot of things that happen in the story. I also want to recommend to you, while I'm on the recommendation list here, recommending that you listen to a five minute YouTube video by Robert Coles, a psychiatrist who met Ruby Bridges and talks about her life. It's powerful, it's very moving. Those two things I want to recommend to you. So, who is Ruby Bridges? She's six years old. 1960, New Orleans, during the desegregation crisis. She took a test. She passed to get into school. And she was the only child that was going to William France Middle School, the only black child that was going to William France Middle School. She was escorted every day by four U.S. Marshals to protect her. She got in a car with her mom every day with four U.S. Marshals and they brought her to school. And at 8.30 every morning to start her school day off with, she was greeted by about 200 people yelling all kinds of nasty, mean, hateful things to her. Terrible things. Terrible things. One lady said over and over, I'm going to poison you. I'm going to poison you. That word went all the way back to the president of the United States. And the president said, okay, look, 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 look. She can't eat any food out of that school. The only food that she can eat is food that comes from her house. Do you think this is a role that Ruby wanted to play, or a role that her parents wanted her to play? Scary thing, just like Mary and Joseph. A very scary thing. But she played the role anyway. One of the scariest things to her was some people in that crowd. They got a little coffin and they put a black baby doll in it. And she saw that and that really scared her. So this psychiatrist, Robert Coles, he happened to be be just driving by and he saw this going on one day. He's like, oh my gosh. And so he, he found out what was happening and he went to the school and he says, you know what? I might be able to be some help. This child is gonna have a breakdown. The child is gonna have a breakdown. There's no way anybody can go through this immense amount of pain and pressure, but particularly her parents are gravely disadvantaged. Right? Very poor, they can't read, they can't write. I've got to help this child. So they say, okay. So he becomes friends with the parents and he would go and talk to her on a regular basis there in her kitchen and would talk to her about what's going on. Uh, Almost everybody pulled their kid out of that school. Almost everybody. And then slowly but surely, people started putting their kids back in school there and it was contentious. Every morning at 8.30, she was greeted by people who said, we want to kill you. And every day at the end of the day, she was greeted by about 200 people who said, we want to kill you. There was only one teacher in that whole school that says, I will teach Ruby Bridges. One teacher, her name was Barbara Henry out of Boston, Massachusetts, and so she had a class of one. Class of one. And she taught this little girl. So Robert Coles, the psychiatrist there, uh, in, in the kitchen of Ruby's home, and she's, he's talking to her every day, and he can't believe it. She, somehow, she's not breaking down. She's not showing signs of falling apart. And this intrigued him. He can't figure out why. And it deeply, deeply impacts his life. And what he realized is, is her parents, though they could not read or write, they had memorized whole passages of the Bible and taught her about Jesus Christ. One day, the teacher's looking out the window, Barbara Henry's looking out the window, and she sees Ruby coming in, as she did every day, and there's this huge melee going out, nasty, disgusting thing going on. And Ruby all of a sudden stops and turns and she can see Ruby's lips moving. And she figured uh, she's had all she can take and she's saying something to, back to the crowd, right? Teacher tells the, uh, Robert about this. And so later on when he is there in the parents' kitchen and he's talking to Ruby, Ruby, what were you saying? Why did you stop? She said, oh, every day on my way to school, I pray for all those people. And I had forgotten... And so I stopped because I didn't want to go in school. I forgot. I want to stop and do these. Ruby, those people are mean and nasty to you. What are you doing? Why are you? She said, well, I want God to be good to those people. That's a deep compassion, everybody. I want God to be good to those people. And she said this, ready? Every day on the way to school, I pray the same thing. God forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Has the Christmas story gone down that deep in your heart it hasn't for me to be completely honest with you I don't know if I've understood the Christmas story as deeply as that six-year-old girl and her parents who can't read and write I don't know that I understand it as deeply as that but that's the deeper meaning of Christmas can you allow the Christmas story to go down that deep in your heart to have compassion for people who completely undeserving of your compassion. We're going to pack 150,000 meals next week, not so we can feel better about ourselves. Here's the Christmas story and how it impacts our lives in a practical basis. We do it because God has showed compassion for all of us and we are all undeserving of it and we show compassion for other people. Some of those meals will go to kids who are bullies. How do you feel about that? Go to people that maybe you're not okay with. How are you on that? Will you allow the story of Christmas to go that deep in your heart? Here's my last point. I'd like you to consider the next four weeks surrendering to the deeper meaning of Christmas and to reach back to God. Now how we started with Adam lounging? It's really easy to be comfortable. It's hard to show compassion for people who are the donkeys on our list. But that's the deeper meaning of Christmas is to have deep compassion. So I want to challenge you. Where's God? Where is God reaching out to you? And you need to reach back to God. Joseph was afraid, Mary was afraid, Ruby was afraid, her parents were afraid. But we're true change. Look, what Ruby did changed the world. It changed our nation. It changed. that was the hard stuff. Do we really want to respond to the hard things that God wants to do? Because it all starts with Christmas. He's reaching out to every single one of us. Will you allow the Christmas story to go deep in your heart to do the hard stuff that will make a difference, a lasting difference in the world? Because the problem is deep down in our hearts. We can't look inside of ourselves to solve this problem. We have to look outside of ourselves, and that's greatly humbling. Will we humble ourselves to do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. It's so challenging, God. Uh, It challenges me with things that I don't even want to think about. Challenges me to show deep compassion for people who I feel don't deserve compassion. But there is the story. You went all the way down to the bottom, Jesus, to enter this world because you're sending me a message. We all equally need help. There are people I want you to be compassionate to, Jesus and there's people I don't want you to be compassionate to and your story challenges me to have compassion for all and that's very disturbing. Lord, let this be a very memorable Christmas in which we allow your message, your story to go way down deep in our hearts because we definitely need a change and it's not going to happen in comfort. It's going to happen through a challenge. Let's just take a moment as Marco plays Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's just take a moment and ask God, God, where where are you challenging me? Where do you want me to respond? Let's just take a moment and do that. I'm praying this Christmas will be the greatest, the most life-changing Christmas that you ever experience as we go deeper and deeper with what the Christmas story is really all about. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would bless each one of us and that you'd help us. We need your strength. It's going to be hard to allow your story to go deep into our hearts, but that's exactly what needs to happen. Give us the courage. Give us the courage to do so, to put our trust in you and not ourselves in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9:30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.